Renee Sharon Welch, and I'll be the moderator for this evening's class. I'd like to welcome you to another lecture given by the members of the Syracuse, New York class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated and shown proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. The school is a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Syracuse class was established in 1969. At this time, I'd like to recognize the Dean of our Syracuse class, <clears throat> Dr. Patrick Trivison, and our Vice President, Dr. John Cometti. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the word or son and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the heavenly father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been erroneously substituted <clears throat> by God. The true name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, states in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and that there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is the title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that is the title that the creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary and, or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah improper renderings of the true name <clears throat> of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. 
This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelations. Later on, the self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this, the name and title can be had by reading the preface of a holy name in the Bible. Also in this school, we teach by a divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this tabernacle pattern in a vision. He instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness. This tabernacle pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. We also go about in this school to show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of the threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. <clears throat> Our 10 primary constitutional aims and objectives are as follows. First, is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, is to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seventh is discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby men can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Intent is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we will have um, the class dedicated in prayer uh, I'd like to ask Dr. Um, Jennifer Miller to um, say the prayer for us tonight. 
And our scripture tonight is Luke, the 12th chapter, 22 through 40th verse. And that'll be read by Jerry, Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. And our scripture readers this evening is Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class and Dr. Scott Miller from Syracuse. Dr. John Miller. Good evening class and good afternoon class, wherever you find yourself mm -hmm. on this earth plane. Let us all take a moment to bow our hearts and our minds and to thank our Heavenly Father, Yahshua, for bringing, into this, bringing us into this beautiful gospel and revealing his true nature to each and every one of us and proving it to our satisfaction through the witnesses that he provides so that we might know him and have eternal life and ask him to please help us, help us have patience and long suffering with each other because we know that the end is near and that we need each other and we need to hold each other up and stand strong together, united uh -huh. with it in him. Uh -huh. With that, let us all say, hallelujah. Good evening or afternoon class. I'll be reading Luke, the 12th chapter, starting at verse 22 through verse 40. And he said unto his disciples, therefore, I say unto you, take no anxious thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than food, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap which neither has storehouse nor barn, and Yahweh feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you which taketh, taking anxious thought can add to his stature one cubit? For if ye then be not able to do the thing which is least, why take ye anxious thought for the rest? Consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then Yahweh so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Rather, seek ye the kingdom of Yahweh, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. <laughs> Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourself 
like unto men that wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants who their master, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to eat and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not been suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Thank you, Dr. Jen Miller and Dr. Jerry Geller. Um, I'd like to um, welcome you again, all that has participated in our Zoom room and also those that are viewing us on uh, live on YouTube. And for our first speaker this evening, we'd like to call on Dr. Frank DeMassey from our Syracuse, New York class. Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Good evening. Yeah. Yes. Good. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to come to class and learn more about our creative purpose and realize the grace has been bestowed upon us that he has pulled us out of a world of darkness, out of a world of despair, and he's given us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to feel what true love is. And to see his purpose unfold before our eyes, it's just a very humbling gift. So let's start with the scripture and I'll see where I can take it. Luke 12 and 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The light is more than. I'm sorry, Scott. Go ahead. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Okay, you stop right there. When before coming to this class and this school, each and every one of us had our own ideas of what life was. We didn't know that we didn't know. We thought our life was we were in control of it that. Our life was pleasing our own selves and our own families, and, and that's a good life. And then we would die, and then we would go to heaven and be with our family that that died before us. It was all about us. We didn't even know what life was. Yeah. Only by grace and mercy we've come to understand that if you can't keep, you can't put your heart into this flesh. Yeah, we're in the flesh, but we're not of the flesh. No. Our heart has, we've been circumcised. The flesh has been taken out of our eyes by, can I have that, my favorite chart, please, with the names? Yeah. You see that arm right there that's pulling back those veils? That's not anybody, any physical man's arm that's pulling back those veils. 
on the right side, it's like darkness. We were in darkness. We didn't know. And all of a sudden, there's something pulling veils and exposing the light. That's Yahshua opening our physical, our spiritual eyes to his spiritual principles and making us by witnesses in the creation, in the law of the prophets, and through Dr. Kinley's vision, making us realize and understand what true life is. It's not what we thought it was. And only by grace can we come to understand this. This is what separates us from the world. We've been pulled out. Everybody's, everybody is panicking and, and not understanding what this virus is about. This virus is a perfect manifestation of the mystery of iniquity. That virus is, is a dead thing. It can't live on its own. It needs a host. Just like that mystery of iniquity. It needs a soul. And he's a body. You can't, it, it can't live on its own. There's no life in it. And, and its property is only death. By grace and mercy, we've been inoculated. We cannot, once you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, you're going to die just, Dr. Kimmy said, you're going to die just that way. You can't go back to the way your old thoughts, your own theories, your own concepts and opinions were. You just can't. If you see this thing, you're going to die just that way. And it's not, it's not like you can pat yourself on the back and say, oh, what great choices I made. That's not it at all. Because if you, if you had that ability, then you're telling your Savior, Yahshua Messiah, who came in and died the death of an outcast dog, he did it for no reason. Because you had the ability right within yourself to save yourself. And that's just not how it is. Right. It's by grace. It's by mercy. Right. That heart. You know, we could, let's go, let's go to well, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Bring it right and I believe you want Ezekiel 36, Frank. Does that sound right? Yeah. 36. This is what's going to happen to us. This is what what he thought. Now look it, look in that chart that's there right now. In that cloud, Yahweh's not a cloud, but Yahweh is all there is. In that cloud, he formulated a purpose. Like in our brain, we come up with an idea, that's, and and we think it out. And everything that we thought, everything we want to do, is all complete right within that cloud. And all the souls that he predestined to be saved were in that cloud. He knew us before we were. He knew before anything was. He knew us. Think of that. Think of the grace that's been bestowed upon us. All right, go ahead. Go to, this is what's going to happen in this day and this age. After Pentecost, what's going to happen? Go ahead. Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. And right, stop right there. Stop right there, Bruce, please. So that sprinkling clean water, that's not taking a shower. <laughs> not sitting out in the rain. Right. That's, that's you being exposed to the truth, yes. to the unadulterated truth of this gospel. And it all starts with a name. It all starts with Romans 1, 19 and 20. What's the first thing you do when you meet somebody? Get their name. You get their name. And within the comes of nature. You know, I worked in a jail. 
I'm a big, uh, chubby white guy. If people in the jail want to know about Frank DeMassey, they didn't say, hey, I want to know about that big, chubby, fat white guy who works in the jail. There was seven or eight fat white guys who worked in the jail. It's a title. It's not a name. It's just, I'm not trying, I'm trying to make it stand that what Lord is. Lord's just a title. It's not a name. What the name comes in nature. What does Yahweh mean? One who causes to exist. What does Yahshua mean? The one who causes to exist is your salvation. Yes. Oh, keep reading. I'm sorry. So you're going to sprinkle clean water upon you. That's the gospel. That's, That's just right. the gospel that we've been exposed to. Go ahead. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Now, a new, I'm sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put our own personal Pentecost. That's that's. Yahshua, peeling that flesh out of our eyes and making us see past it and understanding a spiritual principle by a physical manifestation. That's all that is. That, 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 that's that grace that's been, that others can't see. We could be both hearing the same thing in one, one soul who both of us are dead as doornails sitting on our butts listening to this gospel. And by grace and mercy, only through him opening our hearts and our eyes and our ears, one is going to be resurrected from death unto life. And then, and one next to you is not. You need to understand and realize the grace and appreciation that we should have for what we see, what he's allowed us to see, because it's nothing that we can do. We can't take credit for it. It's not our, it's not how good, or how smart or how much richer or better we are than anybody else. All right, go ahead. 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. He's going to change your nature. Now all of a sudden, all your desires, all your all your your pursuits in life, now you understand what life is. That's life. It's pursuing pleasing your father, not yourself, not your physical name. Not your own belly, not your pride, but pleasing him. And the only way you, you can do that is by laying your life down spiritually and professing this gospel to whoever will listen to it. Keep going. 28. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your Elohim. I will also save you from all your uncleannesses and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. Here's what happens in this beautiful gospel. If you put Yahweh first in your life and, and listen, you can't do this on your own. It's by grace. It's by mercy. But when it happens, then he takes care of any physical needs you're going to need because you it's not the priority. Yeah, we all got to eat. We all got to pay our bills. Yeah, I understand that. But if, if our worries and our 
if it consumes our thoughts more so than our love of this gospel, then there's a problem. Yes. And it's only by mercy and grace that that can occur. There's that hand that's pulling it back. That was, that's the flesh. We're pulling it back. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it matters, but yet it don't. Because we know. We know our Father will take care of us as long as we keep him first in our heart. Yeah. Go to uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31 and 31. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Well, we didn't know when we came into this school, we didn't even know what they're talking about. We didn't know. Uh, we thought the old covenant was for everybody. We didn't. I didn't know what a new covenant was. Because what they did is they just put Everything that was old, they put over the cross and stapled it and, and, and changed it from old to new and doing the same things. That we physically had to do something to earn our righteousness. It was about us. It was about exposing ourselves, showing, hey, what a good preacher boy or, or what a good uh, guy he is. He goes to church every day or, or he says his prayers or he carries around rosaries. All these physical manifestations that's not your righteousness. It's not going to be your salvation either. You got to be cleaned inside out, not outside in. And the only way that can happen is Yahshua the Messiah, who has chosen you from the foundations of the world. Keep going. Which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their Elohim and they shall be my people. He's going to write it. You ain't doing nothing. You can't do nothing about it. You can strive all, all you want. I'm not telling you not to, but my point when I'm trying to say is you are not, not going to receive the glory for your own salvation. It's just not going to happen that way. Keep going, Scott. Verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know Yahweh, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith Yahweh. That's the beauty of this gospel. The beauty of this gospel is once he reveals it to you, you're seeing, you're seeing the same thing that your brother is seeing. There's no big eyes or little use. It's I love that parable of the penny. You know, I know there's folks that have been exposed to this gospel for 50, 60 years. Their penny is no shinier than the person who's going to come in tomorrow that was predestined to hear this. Same penny. It's nothing different. It's the Holy Spirit. It's life. It's eternal life. It's not physical life. You're going to die. Everybody's going to die. The point is, we don't want to die twice. Yeah, we want to, we're all bound to physically die, but we don't want to incur a spiritual death. Keep going. Um, let's see, I'll pick it back up. See, for they shall all know me from the least unto the greatest of them, saith Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I mean, we are cleaned, and, and 
he's going to remember it no more. And I don't know, I can't speak of anyone else, but, you know, I really, truly realize and understand how he can love you when you were yet unlovable. Because each and every one of us had a history before we came into this school. Each of us did things that we're not proud of. And all those things, all that nature has all been changed. and all been taken away from us. All our, our, you want to call gods, that's what they were. They were gods, be it your family, be it your, your spouse, be it your bank account, be it your reputation. All those things, all those things were gods that were separating you from the truth, from understanding Yahweh and spirit and the truth. All them things were washed away and taken away by mercy and by grace. Are we done with that, Scott? Um, yeah. Right, go back to the, one, one more verse. Picture. Okay. Um, we didn't get too far. We're Luke 12, and I think we got to the – I'll pick it back up again. We only got to okay. the uh, Luke 12, 22, and he said unto his disciples, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Right. So I'm trying to make everybody understand and see that, you know, the flesh is just a flesh. And, and he's going to, if you put him first in your heart and your mind, if he allows that to occur, he's going to take care of everything else. It may not be everything you want. Like people want to think, oh, well, you say anything in the, in the, in the name of, of Yahweh and you'll get it. That's not the case. Yahweh, you got to understand, has a purpose. And it's got to be cogent with the purpose. It's got to be, it, it can't be against his purpose. So, you know, oh, I want a million dollars. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Where's <laughs> your heart? Your heart in, in your own self. You're telling on yourself. You're exposing yourself. And, and that's what, by, by grace and mercy, we're not like that. We understand and see the importance of the truth. We understand and see the importance of this gospel. And it is life or death, just like this virus out there. It's life or death. Right. And people don't get it. There's people who are in denial. They know there's no virus out there. You might as well say there's no devil out there. That's right. It's the same principle. See, we can see a manifestation and understand the spiritual principle of it. But the world, they can't. That separates us. And, and there's here we are on the left of this chart in the sun, in the light, and here the other the rest of the world is in this darkness. And if that doesn't humble you, I don't know what will. Read on, Scott, please. Consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn. And Yahweh feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? Right. You know, people want to think that they have the ability to align their destiny. That, you know, I'm making, I got to make the right choice. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. No, yeah, well, good luck with that because the only God you're going to do is what was predestined in this purpose that you're going to do. And it's going to dictate it by the nature that's, that's powering your soul. 
Either you're going to be looking to glorify your father or you're going to be looking to glorify or justify yourself. There's the two mysteries right there. There's the two natures right there. <clears throat> but he's, he's trying to tell you that the father will take care of you. Go ahead. Read on, please. If he then be not able to do that thing, which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then Yahweh so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? See, we understand that spirit law is in control of everything. It, that's Yahweh Elohim. That's, that's him controlling his purpose. That's Yahweh's controlling his purpose. No one else is controlling it. No one else is going to is gonna swerve it one way or another. Everything that's predestined to, to occur, it's going to occur. We understand that's our peace. That's our foundation that we have a creator that's in control. Nothing is... is <coughs> running rampant like the world thinks but the reason the world is running rapid is because they are their own gods that's all they're 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 interested in is their own flesh we have been separated we have been pulled away out of the darkness into the light keep going and seek ye not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink neither be ye doubtful of doubtful mind for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Right. I mean, if he knows every hair that's on your head, he knows, he knows the thought, he puts the thoughts in your mind before you think them. What doesn't he know? He is knowledge in his essence. That's what that's one of the attributes. He is knowledge. He's not the source of it, he is it. So what do we you know, we have to come to our understanding of the omnipresence and the omnipotence of our creator and know that this purpose is under control. And we have been given front row seats. We have been given front row seats at no cost. And we're just, we have to sit back and, and watch Yahweh's purpose unfold. And soon, very soon, there's going to be a universal revelation and you're going to be taking Steps, you're going to be walking one step, and then the next step, you're going to, in the blink of an eye, you're going to be into a different age. And all this, all this physical creation is going to just, just disappear. We're, we're going from, right from physical, right into spiritual. And that glorified body of Yahshua the Messiah is going to be formed, and we're part of the body, and he's the head. And we're going to go on for two more, three more ages yet, learning about our creator. In spirit and in truth. Uh, read on, Scott. Verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of Yahweh, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Right. I mean, go to class. That's, one, that's our only source. Go to class. Be it Zoom, be it YouTube, wherever you can, be exposed to the truth. Be exposed to the gospel. Get your witnesses. Don't believe every witness. Check it out for yourself. 
Go through the law. Go through the prophets. Bring them into creation. Make sure that the lines, it's line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Do these things. But he'll do that because he's in you causing him to do it. Go ahead. Read on. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth correcteth. When you know something, it's, it, it's, I mean, how many beautiful and precious pearls of, of witnesses have we been given in this gospel? Just a simple, no J, that, there's, a, there's a beauty. His name's Yahweh, not Lord. I mean, pearl after pearl after pearl. These are witnesses. These are things ingrained in our minds that nobody can take away from us. Dr. Kinley says that you're going to die just this way. Just the way, you, whatever he's exposed to you, whatever he's going to show you, you never, you can't go back. You can't, oh, that's not so, and, and, and walk away. If you've been chosen, you've been predestined, you've been you've been called, you've been chosen, and he's converted your nature, you're going to die just that way. It's just that nothing else is more important to you. And hallelujah for that. And nothing's greater than sharing this with the brother. Go ahead, read on. For, um, for verse 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Exactly. It converts your heart. It changes your heart. You go from a stony heart who was thinking of only your own glory or your own justifications and brutal and, and hate and jealousy and just misery. All that's taken away from you. Now, I'm not saying you because you're converted now, you're jumping up for joy, and oh, isn't this a great uh, creation, and how lucky I am about the flesh. The flesh is just terrible. Well, maybe for me anyway. I can't speak for anybody else. We all going to have our miseries in the flesh, but the, the beauty and the greatness that we understand is it's only temporal, and we're waiting to come home. We're waiting to be called. We're waiting to get out of this stinking confusion and misery and and world of heartless people who would kill you for because you, you 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 beat the horn at them. Go ahead, Scott. Read on, please. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Right. When you go to Ephesians and, and that's all those things in Ephesians when he's talking about putting on the armor. He's not talking about physical armor. He's talking about arming yourself with your witnesses. So you won't be deceived. So no one's going to tell you that Jesus is Jesus saved. You got to get on your knees and, and and open up your heart and give it to Jesus. That's not going to happen with us. We've been blessed. We've been great. We know better. He chooses you. You don't choose him. What choice can you make? Go ahead. And ye yourselves, like unto men that wait for their master. When the he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed Five are those minutes, Frank. Five minutes, please. I exceeded my 20. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Blessed, blessed are those servants whom Yahweh, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. 
And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this is not his purpose that, you know, we have to realize how blessed we are. We have been called. Many are called, but with grace and mercy, we could be the chosen. We could have our love for this gospel. It's not preceded, preceded by anything else. This is our priority in our life. This is our love. Being with fellow brethren in the same heart, that's our love. Sharing this with anybody who will listen, that's our love. And that's what life is. We're, we're laying down our spiritual lives for our fellow man. Never knowing which, which soul Yahshua has, has predestined, or Yahweh has predestined from the get-go to have its eyes opened and, and go from death unto life. So I just hope that someone got something out of that. Uh, I just, you know, we, we got we to gotta realize how precious of a gift we have and the treasure always come to class and, and always love one another. With that, I'm going to relinquish the floor. All glory to Yashua. Thank you, Dr. DeMassi. And for our next speaker this evening, we'd like to hear from Dr. Peg Triverson from our Syracuse, New York class. Hey, good evening to everybody. Good evening. Um, I enjoyed very much the remarks of the first speaker. I always try to listen intently and and try to find uh, the common thread, you know? Right. And it seems like Frank's, well, he always does talk from the heart, but he's also talking about the heart. Yeah. So it made me uh, think there was one in the scripture where it talks about uh, where your heart is, your treasure will be. Let me think where that was. In fact, we just read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just read it. Yeah. I, I just, uh, scripture. Luke 12, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Luke 12, <laughs> 34. 34, Rick says. Yep. yep, 12 and 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Frank was talking about that, how it changes you when you, you change your priorities. And it kind of made me think of like, you know, um, when Rick and I were first married, we we're, you know, a couple, we're doing this, that, and the other thing. And it changed when we had a child. Your priorities changed. Now there's something different in your heart. Now you're looking out for the, you know, for your kids, and that's what you're worried about. So it changed your heart, changed. Right. It made a change in you, and it made you change things that you did, and, you know, you weren't um, such risk takers anymore because you knew you had to be around to take care of these kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So it does change you where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, and it's going to cause a change. And so that we, since we've been in class and um, our hearts, we've found out more about our creator and have fallen in love with our creator, that causes a change in us. Um, there's an example of it over with um, Solomon, I think it is. First Kings 3, 8, 9. First Kings, okay. And if we get Jeremiah 24, 7, too. This is Solomon, and he's been um, chosen to, you know, 
to be ruler over the children of Israel here. And he's a little bit nervous about it. So he asked for something. He asked Yahweh for something. First Kings three and eight, Peg. Yep. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. It's his, this is Solomon talking about Israel. He's been anointed king of Israel. Go ahead. Right. Give yourself, thy servant, an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this people so great a people? So that's what he asked for, an understanding heart, because he wanted to be able to judge Yahweh's people. Right. and do good by him. And so you find out that because he asked for an understanding heart, Yahweh mm -hmm. gave him all, you know, gave him all kinds of stuff. He gave him, you know, wisdom. He gave him uh, glory. He gave him riches. All the stuff was added unto him because of what he did ask for. And so that's where his heart was, was to know his creator and to, to, do, to do the will of the creator, to lead his, the chosen people in the right way. So that caused a change in his heart for the good. And we, we know that, you know, Psalm is just an example and a type and that towards the end of his life, he kind of lost it. And, you know, he went, you know, was marrying women he shouldn't have been and all that kind of stuff. But he's only a type and example here. But here it is that he did ask for an understanding heart and that everything else was given to him because he did ask for that understanding heart and that, his, you know, his treasure was where his heart was at that point. That's right. Now, um, it's also in Matthew 6, 21, where your heart is, your treasure will be, right? It's the same thing that we've got said, said there. So, um, all right, now, can we get John 1.18? Because I want to, what I'm trying to work with here is the heart in the bosom. And there's something with Yahshua being in the bosom of the Father that I think bears a little investigating or a little thought. And it's John 1.18. Mm -hmm. John 1.18. No man has seen Yahweh at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So he's in the bosom of the Father. So that's where, you know, if you think of the, the bosom, like bosom buddies, you know, you're really close friends. Um, you hold something close to your bosom. It's precious to you. It has an effect on you. It's something you care about. You're, you're, you're loving. Um, so Yahshua being in the bosom of the Father, it's like a nun did, you could say, and the, the heart is in your bosom, right? Right. All right. So I hope I can get this, make this clear enough. Let's go. We're, I'm going to go over to the anatomy chart here. So here you've got the bosom or the holy place, and that's where your heart is, right? Mm -hmm. And this aorta that comes off the top of the heart it has seven branches, three are paired, and one stands alone. Now, actually, this picture of the aorta is not correct. 
well, any delays, doesn't matter. Because um, the first two that come off the aorta, right, very close to where it leaves the heart, is the carotid arteries, and they go right back around the heart to feed the heart, right? Mm -hmm. So the first two off that ascending aorta are the carotid arteries. They go right back, and they're the ones that we talk about that are, you know, um, the fatty tissue, they're golden in color, the two coronary arteries, they wrap around the heart, they feed the heart, right? Mm -hmm. So you can liken the heart onto Yahshua as the first fruits when this blood from the ascending aorta comes uh, off the heart. It's got all the goods from the, um, it's got the nutrition from down below and it's also been to the lungs to pick up the oxygen. So it's got everything that, it, that the body needs. And then it gets pumped to the heart and then the heart pumps it up. And the first thing to get it is the heart. So you can, the heart gets the first fruits or is the first fruits, if I can say it that way. I'm looking at Yashua being the first fruits. And I see how the heart is the first thing that gets that oxygenated blood when it's distributed to the body, it goes to the heart first. So it, the heart typifying Yashua and being the first fruits. I hope that makes some kind of sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know why I've been on this thing, thinking about the thing about the first fruits lately and how, oh, I don't even know where it is in the book. There, it's in the book that Yash was the first fruits. Right. Um, of them that slept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't know where it is. I don't know either. You know, I should have, I should have, I've been thinking about this, but I didn't write anything down. I did look up some quotes, but. I'm stupid and I didn't write them down. Um, yeah, first Corinthians 15 20. Find it? First Corinthians 15 and 20. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that's yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, first Corinthians 15 and 20. But now is Yahshua risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. So now, but now is Yahshua risen from the dead. So obviously this is after Pentecost, right? right. And he's the, right. become the first fruits of them that slept. So this blood that's coming from your heart up to the aorta, it goes to the heart first. So the mm -hmm. heart can do its work. So it's like it gets the first fruits, but then it goes out into the whole body. From there, mm -hmm. it goes up the carotids and, or not, yeah, carotids and the, what are the other ones? Sub, the Plavian, and you know, you can look up the different names of the different. So it goes through the whole body, but first it goes to the heart, the first fruits, and then it's like it goes there, and then the heart it awakens the whole rest of the body. All that nutrition, all that good stuff goes to the rest of the body to bring life to it. So to me, it's an example of Pentecost, how Yash was the first fruits of them that slept, he gets that oxygenated, the heart gets the oxygenated blood first, and then it gets poured out to the whole rest of the body. So that's like Pentecost. He's the first fruits of them that slept. That's in, it is Matthew, what is it, Ricky? It was 1 Corinthians 15 and 20. Okay, let's do, okay. Would you want to read it again, sir? Sure, yeah. 
But now is the Messiah risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Okay, then over in Matthew, um, where it talks about how he resurrected and he and went into Jerusalem and the sons that slept in the dust of the earth. That's another example in the Bible of what's going on too. Um, maybe it's on the chart. Let me go see if I can find the chart. Here, I bet it's Matthew 27, 52 and 53. Uh, Matthew 27 and 52. Uh, pick it up in 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the sons which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the so there, that, is that just, what you're looking for? telling you there that Yahshua was the first fruit. He was the first one to resurrect, and they followed him, the sons that slept in the dust of the earth. So that's like likened unto that that blood in the in the heart it gets goes first to the heart to, to find Yahshua who's in the bosom of the father and then the heart pumps it out to the rest of the body and it's just like Yahshua is the first first fruits he's the first one that resurrects and then those that are chosen are resurrected also and follow him into Jerusalem. So I'm just trying to give you another witness of that same kind of thing happening where he's the first fruits and then them that are his follow. So yeah. And there was there was another scripture and I'm darned if I can find it about first fruits. Hang on one second. Oh there's a feast of first fruits and that is when you know when that is right say again Peg. the fe feast of first fruits. Right. It was one of the three major feasts that Yahweh had the children of Israel celebrate on an annual basis. And it's actually Pentecost. That's when it was. Yeah. That's a, so there's a feast of first fruits taught, and it's at the time of Pentecost. And that's yeah. at the time of the resurrection, you know, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so, the, you know, he's the first one to res raise from the dead. And then them that are his are raised from the dead. And that's been going on since AD 33, since Pentecost. People have been being raised from the dead in their hearts and in their minds. Because if you look back and see where uh, man had, mankind had a problem the first time, it's back in the garden with Adam, right? in the garden this is where he got in trouble not that you know Yahweh knew exactly what was happening here Exodus 22 29 what's that oh Exodus 22 29 is a feast of first fruits if you want to grab that Exodus. but we know over here yeah somebody wants to grab that just to show you that that feast of first fruits is in there Exodus 22 and 29. Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors, 
thy firstborn of thy son shall thou give unto me. Okay, so you got the idea that there is definitely a, a feast of first fruits that, that Yahweh set, set up way back there. Yahweh Elohim set it up with the children of Israel for a reason, and it's to point out Yahshua, who's the first fruits of all of us. He's got to be the first one, just like, you know, we always talk about how you get up in the morning, you have, your head has to be the first thing that moves. You have to get your head up first because the rest of the body follows the head. And that's, that's just like how we follow him now. But now we know him and we know that we're following him. We're not just walking around blind and, and you know, in the dark, like, like um, Frank was saying, we're in the light. We're walking in the light now. We know that we're following the head and we know who the head is. We're not just walking around blind and dumb and deaf. So here he is resurrected first fruits of them that slept, but he's resurrected us in our hearts and in our minds. And that's exactly where over here with Adam, when he partook that fruit willingly, he knew that, you know, his, the, his bride had partaken of the fruit. His wife Eve had eaten the fruit and he knew that um, he was going to lay his life down for her because he loved her. It was all, Yahweh had a plan. He had a purpose. So right when he did that, they both received a carnal mind, and they lost that innocence. They lost that purity. They lost that, um, they lost that connection with the creator that they had. It was such a close connection. They lost it, and they became, they became um, strangers to him, if you will, and then, you know, they had to be kicked out of the garden and they had to, now they have to work to, you know, make things in the garden. They had it made. They didn't have any work to do, which is typifying heaven. And it's where we are now. If we walk in the truth and we walk in heaven, there's no work for us to do. He's provided, just like the scripture reading said, what do you think? He's not going to provide for you what you need. And I know you think, well, I have a job and I work and I make money. Yeah, well, <laughs> who allowed you to get that job? Who gave you the arms and the legs so that you could walk to do the job that you need to do? If you boil it all down, he's done it for you. You know, you haven't really done too much except kind of go along with the program. And just if you realize who, what he has done for us, and he has taken care of us. He's fed us. He's clothed us. Reba and I always have, we always kid each other and we call, sometimes we refer to Yahweh Elohim as daddy deep pockets because sometimes there's stuff that we think there's no way we can pull this off or have this happen or, you know, but it's something we'd like to do, but we don't think it's ever going to happen. And it happens. And we always say, hey, it's daddy deep pockets. He knows what we want and he's taking care of us, you know, so we're not asking for Cadillacs though. We're not asking for stuff like that either. A lot of times it's like, to be able to get to a the convention or a seminar or to be able to, you know, have enough, you know, know how to get online to do a, a class or to be able to get to a class, have enough gas in the car to get to a class, whatever it is. But, you know, always talk about daddy deep pockets, but you can see here how Adam 
when he partook of that fruit and then he was condemned in his mind and he lost that connection he had to his creator that has been then for 4,000 years in principle, man has been dead in his heart and his mind. And it wasn't until Pentecost that man was resurrected from the dead in his heart and in his mind. And it was the Gentiles Pentecost wasn't until seven years after that. So it wasn't until 40 AD that's really been universal that this, the Pentecost has happened, that you can have a change in your heart and in your mind for real. And that we're now where your heart is, your treasure will be. Now it's a different place than it was before you came to class. Let's say it that way. Might have been that you thought, oh, I need to have a nice house. And that's where your heart was. And that's where all your energy went into was getting the job to get the house, you know, to get the money, to get the house you wanted or whatever was your priority. And now it's like, you know, it's still okay to have a nice house. Not a problem with that. But that does not take, uh, it doesn't come above your, um, your heart is still set on knowing your creator as he really is and actually exists. And there's nothing that comes before that. And trying to share this gospel with as many people as we possibly can before the end of this age, because like Frank was saying, we don't really have a long time, not a long time to be hanging around here. So that, and it's just, sometimes to me, it's mind boggling that we know so much and that people, you know, across the street or down the street or your neighbors, they don't know anything, but you know, you can't be cramming it down their throats either. True. But you just wonder, you know, are they ever going to get an opportunity to hear the truth? And that's kind of left up to, to the boss. That's his, that's his job, to getting them to, to a place where there's class. And I remember when I first came into class, there was a, oh, what was his name? From Binghamton. There was a guy that lived in Binghamton. But he was like, he lived in a cabin with no electricity. He was like a hermit kind of guy. And he, you know, was his the house he looked, little house he built was like on the side of a hill and he didn't have, he had a bike, I think. He would ride his bike down to this restaurant where he worked and then he'd ride it back home again. And he was like pretty much like a hermit. Dan DeJong, I think his name is, he ended up in California. But I remember Yahweh found him, brought him into a class and he was thought he was like living like a hermit and was, you know, not about being around people at all. And Yahweh found him and brought him in. So to me, if Yahweh wants anybody to be in class, he's going to pull him in. I don't have to worry about it. I just have to do what I can do as far as getting the gospel out. But um, I don't have to go door to door or anything like that, banging on doors. And I know that Yahweh will bring him in. And I'm totally confident. He's not going to lose one of his, right? And then, where, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And so that's why, you know, class is pretty important to my husband and I, you know, we've always, you know, always wanted to be at class. And part of it is because I'm kind of nosy and I don't want to miss anything, but you do, you learn a lot too, if you're listening with an open heart and an open mind, because this teaching will change you from the inside out. It really will. 
it's going to make a change in you. And it's going to be a change for the better. And you're going to notice, but it makes it all more obvious, the nastiness that's out in the world. Like you're, you read out, you know, the news every night about, oh, people on the airplanes getting in fights. They had a guy uh, the other night that they duct taped him to his seat because he was being such a jerk that they actually duct taped him to his seat. And like, I mean, people are just being such jerks. And, yep. it's, um, and it's just wild and crazy out there, you know? And it's just kind of uh, matter of fact now. Everybody's kind of like, oh, yeah, everybody's tired of COVID and they're going crazy. Well, <laughs> it's kind of not an excuse. And definitely not an excuse for us having the Holy Spirit and representing our Heavenly Father, the Creator, because, you know, you know, we can't be doing <laughs> stuff like that. But let you know how close to the edge so many people are. And that you wonder, where is their, where is their heart? What is their treasure? What is it that they're so trying to protect? A lot of people, it's just they're protecting their reputation. They're trying to protect their wealth. They're trying to protect things that don't last forever. And that's why it talks about put your treasure in heaven where it can't rot. When your treasure's in heaven, it's not going to rot. Nobody can steal it. Nobody, you know, that's why you have so much. Then you have to worry about people stealing it. It's all these rich people. You have to get all the alarm systems and all that kind of stuff on and pay for that because you're afraid somebody's going to steal your goods. So maybe it's not so good to have a lot of goods, you know? Anyway, I feel like I'm kind of rambling, so I'm going to um, leave it at that. I just wanted to work a little bit with the first fruits, show Nashville the first fruits, and them that are his come after him, and that's us. Definitely. We're definitely counted in that body. So I'll turn it back to the moderator. Thank you, Dr. Trimson. And for our next speaker this evening, we'd like to call on the Dean of our Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Fulpe. Good evening, everyone. Good, Good evening. evening. It's nice yeah. to be here tonight, and I really thought the uh, previous speakers did a great job uh, expressing what they have understood from this teaching. And as I was sitting here, I was just thinking about uh, when I first came into this class, and of course, uh, we came out of the Roman Catholic Church, and the things that Dr. Kinley was explaining and showing us were so far above anything that we ever even imagined and so far above what they teach in the world and what they understand about God in the world that it was just absolutely captivating to hear these things gone into. And it never occurred to me when I was in uh, religion, of course I was never taught this, so it wouldn't occur to me, uh, that the Creator had a purpose and plan. Uh, we knew that people talked about it's God's will, you know, everything that happened, well, that's God's will. But we never understood that there was a foreordained purpose that Yahweh had masterminded. Now, I remember Dr. Kinley, when I was sitting with him, talking about when Yahweh, the Father, pure spirit, elected to bring forth a purpose. That what he wanted to do is he wanted to bring about offspring. 
You know, we often talked about over the years on the green chart, it talked about the word philoprogenitiveness at the top of the, in the cloud there, uh, about being instinctive love of offspring. And what we, uh, what he tried to express, Dr. Kinley, was that Yahweh had such great love that he wanted to bring forth offspring and share his love, shed his love, and share his love with his, with his children, with his creatures. And to do that, he wanted his creatures to know and understand something about him. Now, being in that state that we call pure spirit, he is the all in all and cannot be grasped or understood in the totality of that state. In fact, Dr. Kinley went on to explain that the reason why you can't see God, talking about Yahweh, pure spirit, is you can't get outside of him to turn around and look back at him. So what he elected to do to make himself known to his creatures, he decided that he would step down from that state into a lesser state. And Dr. Kinley talked about that being a uh, crucifixion, that he came from a state that he referred to as ontological perfection in that state of pure spirit, and that he had great glory, and he had to take on a lesser form of himself in order to make himself known to his creatures. And so that when he stepped down, he corresponded that to being a crucifixion. And he said, now you can't understand that sacrifice that Yahweh made to step out of that pure spirit state down into a lesser state, the incorporeal, incorporeal state. He says, you can't appreciate that because you don't know what it's like in that state of pure spirit and what he was in that state of totality. He said, so what he had to do is he had to come down even further. He had to come down into incorporealization where he could communicate with mankind in visions and revelations and then step down even further into a physical body and get up on that cross and die the death, as he often used to call it, the death of an outcast dog. He said, now that crucifixion was so horrific that for you to recognize that he went through that great suffering in that pain, so that you might know his kindness and his mercy. That you can understand, he said, but you can understand the sacrifice that he made just to come out of pure spirit into an incorporeal form. Now what Yahweh wanted to do to make himself known to his creatures was to break himself down and make himself known only in part now, when we talk about Elohim up there at the top of Mount Sinai, that incorporeal form, that is Yahweh in part. I'm not talking about as far as demonstration. Because actually, Yahweh was functioning through that embodiment that we often call Yahweh Elohim. That was Yahweh himself incarnate in that Elohistic form. That's in a transcript called Explanation of the Godhead. And then that same spirit of Yahweh incarnated in a physical body as well. Now, what I want you to understand is that Dr. Kinley explained 
that what he did is, from that state of pure spirit, he took on, by the power of transmutation, he said two manifestations, one incorporeal and the other corporeal. Now what I want you to know is that a manifestation is only purpose of a manifestation is to reveal or show forth an invisible principle. Get me uh, Romans 1, 19 and 20, please. Romans 1, 19 and 20. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Now listen, what can, be known, what can be known of Yahweh is only what Yahweh has determined to reveal of him, about himself in this particular purpose. He is not going to reveal his totality in this purpose or any other purpose. That is because in totality, Yahweh doesn't have a beginning and an end of himself by which he can accomplish showing everything in one purpose. It's an eternal purpose of him revealing himself throughout the rest of eternity. And there were purposes before this one, according to Dr. Kinley, and there were, will be purposes after this one. So we're going to learn about something particular that he wants us to know about him in this purpose. That's what these seven ages are accomplishing, is for his offspring, and as the first speaker said, those that Yahweh has chosen according to the purpose, he's going to reveal those things about himself in this purpose, that, and that's where we read, because that which may be known of Yahweh, because there are things that may not be known of Yahweh as well. And there's no sense in us trying to speculate on that because Yahweh's not going to reveal it. But what can be known has to be manifested. So start that again, Bruce, please. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh has showed it unto them. Now whatever can be known about Yahweh, Yahweh has to manifest it in order for you to see it. Since in that state of pure spirit... Well, read, the, read 20, because I'll get to that too. 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Now, the invisible he, things of Yahweh are this, ladies and gentlemen. They are the divine attributes. You cannot see wisdom. You cannot see knowledge. You cannot see intelligence, especially unlimited or eternal intelligence eternal knowledge, not to speak of you can't see those attributes without demonstration, without manifestation. You don't know what wisdom is unless it's manifested. You don't know what love is unless it's manifested. If somebody walked up to you, you never heard, knew anything about love, and said, I'm going to teach you about love, and they say, I love you, and then they slap you. And they did that repeatedly, but at the end of the day, you would say that love is painful and it's, and it's negative. But that's not what Yahweh did. He tried to define by manifestation his great kindness, his mercy, his forbearance, uh, his generosity, and all the things that encouch divine love. Now Yahweh is going to demonstrate the attributes. And once you understand how those attributes are working 
in that state, then you are now starting to learn something that Yahweh wants you to know about himself. And that's exactly what his purpose is, is to reveal himself to us by manifestation. Now, according to what he wrote in the textbook, he wrote that Yahweh possessed the power of transmutation and took on two manifestations. One is incorporealization, he said. The other is corporealization. That is to say, an incorporeal body or form and then a physical body or form. Both Elohim and Yahshua are manifesting Yahweh. By learning of Elohim and Yahshua, you should be learning about the Father. You should be learning about what is in pure spirit in part. And that's what he's trying to accomplish and what not trying will accomplish in this purpose and plan is to reveal to his elect that which can be known of him. And so these things you will never hear in any Bible study You'll never hear this talked about from the pulpit on Sunday because in order to for Dr. Kinley even to introduce this kind of thinking, it required him to receive a divine vision and revelation direct from the Creator himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't know a thing about it. In fact, he knew the Bible from cover to cover but never understood one part of what he taught us after he had this vision revelation. He didn't know nothing about it. So, what occurs to me now is we're coming down here at a point in time in the purpose that Yahweh is fixing to close this thing out. And the world is in a state right now of what I'll call chaosis. Both religiously, or that is to say, you know, with the churches and the religious uh, beliefs in the world, Politically, we see chaosis, and economically, we know we're in hard times as well. And the mystery of iniquity must rise up and try to deceive us. That's what his job is. So I want to go over for a minute to Revelation, the 13th chapter. Now, I want to talk about... Well, I'm just going to start at verse 7 here for a minute, if, if you don't mind. Revelation. Now, this is talking about the mystery of iniquity, if you read the context up above it. Go ahead and read 13 and 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the sons. Now, listen, Yahweh gave to the, the, to, the, to the mystery of iniquity, to the devil, power to make war with the sons. That's you and me. Read. And to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Go ahead. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, in the eighth verse, we're reading that the ones that are going to be overcome... And, 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 and worship him are the ones whose names are not written in the book of life. Of the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Now who is the lamb? Yahshua is the lamb. And he was slain from the foundation of the world. I got news for you. 
Yahshua was not born on June 6, 0 AD. You say, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, he that's a paradox. Yes, he was born through the loins of the Virgin Mary. Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and that child that came forth, that fleshly transmuted body, was a product of the Holy Spirit. That was the son of Elohim, that physical body. But then Elohim then entered into that body and operated in the earth plane, and I got that right in the transcript. Now, Yahshua was, there's a transcript called The Birth of Christ Versus the Birth of Jesus. This was done in 1958. And Dr. Kinley talked about how that the world was arguing about uh, whether Jesus was part God or part man, and whether Joseph was his father. Some didn't believe in a virgin birth. How can a woman bring forth a birth, a son without a, without a man? And Doc went on to explain how she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. But then he went on and talked about how that the birth of Yahshua, I'm putting it in my words, now you read it for yourself, uh, that the birth of Yahshua on June 6th was the birth of that physical body. But that he used the term uh, Christ in place of Elohim, by the way, if you read this transcript. He said, but Christ was born before there was time. He was born in the realm of eternity. There was no way to put a date on the birth of Christ is the way he put it. So that's why you can't celebrate the birthday of the Messiah or of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was born before time. And that that was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Now, now listen. When Dr. Kinley talked about Yahweh came forth out of that state of pure spirit and took on that shape and form, that that was a crucifixion. That is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. That was the crucifixion that Doc was referring to. But it had to be manifested in the flesh in order for us to be able to comprehend it and understand it. Now everything you're learning is expressing the great nature of Yahweh himself, his great intelligence and his wisdom and his kindness and his justice and his love and his power, his strength, all the attributes are being reflected through those two operations of the incorporeal Elohim and through the operation of the Messiah when he was in the flesh and then subsequent to that when he took off the flesh and resurrected a quickening spirit and poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, revealing the purpose to all of us, to both the Jews first and then the Gentiles, that is all revealing to us the Father that, as Yahshua said, was in him, right there when Philip said, show us the Father, so it suffices us. And he said, have you been so long with me, Philip, that you don't know me? He that has seen the Father has seen me. I and the Father are one. And Elohim and Yahweh are one. Now, I said all that to say this. In the transcript, Explanation of the Godhead, Dr. Kinley goes on and explains in detail how that in John 1.18, let's go get that for a minute. John 1.18. Go ahead. No man has seen Yahweh at any time. 
Now, Dr. Kinley talked about that that word God in there was wrong, and he talked about another example he gave was over in the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah wrote after the death of Uzziah, that he saw, as it says in the King James Version, he said, I saw the Lord. And in the, in the holy name, it says, I saw Yahweh. And Dr. Kinley corrected both of them. He said, no, 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 no. He said, no man has seen Yahweh pure spirit at any time. You can't see that because you can't get outside to look back at it. So he explained how in John 1.18 that God there should have been Yahweh pure spirit. And in Exodus 24, 9 and 10, in Isaiah, it's, I think it's the third chapter, I could be wrong, it's in the beginning of Isaiah where he said, uh, after the death of Uzziah, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, it should be Elohim. He said, now Elohim was seen all the way down through the scriptures by various men in visions. So we know that men have seen Elohim. He said, so that was where they made the mistake, the scribes, he said, trying to write in what they thought should have been in those places, change things in there, and he was trying to show how that they didn't know or understand anything about the Godhead or the purpose of Yahweh, and they put their own ideas in. And that's in the transcript. So, what I want you to recognize, what I'm trying to show you here is this, that John 1.18 says, no man has seen Yahweh pure spirit at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. Now, Doc put it like this. He said, no man has seen Yahweh at any time. He said, and he said, but the Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he sees him, and he has declared him unto you. Now, Yahshua's job is to declare Yahweh, to make him understood or knowable. And therefore, it is possible to know something about the Father by the manifestations of both Elohim and Yahshua. If they are manifestations, then the question is, what's the principle? Just to see a manifestation doesn't do you any good if you don't see the principle. So what it's important for us to recognize is that the Holy Spirit will reveal the Father to us. Now, some have said, you've got to know that you're Yahweh. Dr. Kinley said, I'm Yahweh and so are you. The difference is I'm conscious of it and you're not. He said, however, he said, what I got instantaneously, you're going to get piecemeal. Now, the way that the Father is going to be revealed is through Yahshua the Messiah. Get me uh, Matthew 11:27, please. Matthew 11 and 27. All things are delivered unto me and my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Now listen, Neither nobody knows the Son except the Father. Now when we're talking about the Son, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're talking about Elohim and Yahshua. It's by revelation only, ladies and gentlemen. No man knows the Son but the Father. Read. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And nobody knows the Father except the Son. Read. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now listen. To know the Father, the Son has to reveal him to you. And Yahshua's job is to reveal the Father to us. Now get me the tabernacle. Get me a chart with a tabernacle on it, please. Matthew 
I like what Frank did, and what I'm actually doing is I'm springboarding off of something that Frank did. In fact, go back to that names chart, and then we'll get maybe a tabernacle chart after that. I want to refer to something that Frank said. Now, right there, Frank talked about that arm up there, and the hand is on the veil, and obviously opening up the veil for you to be able to look past the veil. Now, what I want you to know is this, that that veil became, is a barrier that prevents you from standing in the holy place and knowing anything about what's in the most holy place while it stands, while that veil is hanging. Uh, get me the tabernacle, if you would, again, please. Body tabernacle, if you can get it. All right. Now, right there in the tabernacle, what we've got there... Uh, actually is painted inaccurately, and we all understand that. That's not no, no, no news. That veil was not split down the middle like it's painted in the chart. It was painted that way just to illustrate to you there's a veil and what's behind it. So they had to do that. But here's what we know. We know that that tabernacle, that veil, is referred to as the veil of the flesh, the one that separates the holy place and the most holy place. Now on the 40-plate chart, it is written on the veil that it is the veil of inscrutability and incomprehensibility. Meaning that if you're on the downside of the veil, meaning in the holy place, you can't know anything of what's past that veil, as long as that veil is standing. That veil becomes a barrier. Now, to correlate it with us, we come into class with a carnal mind. Now, if that veil is the veil of the flesh, the, re, the principle of the flesh really is a carnal-minded state. And therefore, what we have to do is we have to be elevated from a state of being carnally-minded to being spiritually-minded. Now, in one of the transcripts, Dr. Kinley talks about how the carnal mind or the depraved nature has to be elevated to a higher plane of consciousness. And what we understand is that by the foolishness of preaching and by the Holy Spirit revealing these things to us that are being preached, that is going to raise us up, resurrect our understanding, so that we now are able to comprehend spiritual things and not be carnally minded. Now I want to make a point, stay right on this chart. It was talked about Adam today also. Now when Adam died at that tree. Dr. Kinley said where the man died, that's where we have to pick him up again. Now, you know that when Yahweh gave the commandment to Adam, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Now, theologians cannot answer how it is that Adam lived 930 years after he ate that fruit. And Doc was able to explain to us, Dr. Kinley, that Adam died the instant that he ate that fruit that the death was not of the physical body that Yahweh was referring to. The death was of the soul, of the heart and mind. And therefore, 930 years later, the death of the physical body manifested what had already taken place at the tree. Now, when Doc said, what we have to do is to fix the problem, we have to resurrect the man right where he died. And where he died was in his heart and in his mind. Now, 
the way it's going to be fixed is this. You're going to get a new heart by the foolishness of preaching. And you're going to also get a new mind. Now, when I say a new mind, I mean you're going to be elevated and transformed, changed. And your mind is going to go from a carnal state, not knowing the things of the Spirit, not understanding spiritual principles, to a point where you now are able to look at a manifestation and hear it expressed and understood, understand a spiritual principle. Now, in effect, what that does is it's removing the veil that exists between you and your Creator. Now, when we say that Yahweh is incomprehensible and inscrutable in, in pure spirit, that is exactly true to a carnal mind. But Yahweh is not incomprehensible and inscrutable to the Holy Spirit. Now, the only one that knows the Father is the Son. Yahshua sees the Father. That's what it says in that transcript. He's able to express him or explain him to us. The Holy Spirit has scrutinized the Father and is comprehended the Father within himself. And now he, in turn, has to reveal the Father to us. That's his job. You're going to have to be put in Yahshua and be a recipient of that Spirit in order for you to ever know anything about the Father and to truly understand Yahweh as he actually is and truthfully exists. Without Yahshua, you haven't got a prayer. And a lot of people are on the bandwagon now about, you know, uh, you got to know that you're Yahweh. And look, I don't have a problem with knowing that you're Yahweh. But I also feel the emphasis should be on the fact that it has to come by way of Yahshua the Messiah or that Holy Spirit being in you revealing the Father to you. And that's one of the so-called uh, benefits, or the benefit, of you being in Yahshua. You need to worry more, if you want to worry about something, rather than worry about whether I know that I'm Yahweh, you need to worry about whether Yahshua is formed in you. You need to examine yourself, whether you be of that spirit, whether those attributes are manifesting through you. And that's a private thing between you and your Creator. You don't have to see me or Rick and, and go to confession where we'll give you uh, uh, ten Roman, well, Romans one nineteen and twenty, and uh, you know, and five uh, uh, Isaiah and twenties. We're not going to give you absolution. This is not you going to confession. You have to go within yourself and communicate with your Creator in your own heart and mind. And ask him to reveal these things to you. And to make you conscious of you being a member of the body of Yahshua. And Yahshua will take care of the rest of revealing the Father and causing you to be made one with the Father as he said he was. Let's not forget that Yahshua is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He's not just one part of that equation. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And it was the Father in him that was carrying out the works, that was uh, healing the sick and raising the dead and speaking and all the other things that we attribute. That was Yahweh himself manifested through that embodiment. And so, that veil, getting back to it, has to be taken out of the way. Now, Dr. Kinley, in a transcript, 
explains that that veil was ripped out of there at the resurrection. Not at the death as it says in some of your Bibles. That is a mistake in your Bible. Dr. Kinley explains that. He, I heard him do it verbally, and it's in a transcript. So you can read it for your own self. Now, bottom line, once that veil is removed, we have a unification principle where you can be standing in the holy place and be one with the Father, which is the true atonement. The atonement is for us to be made one, as Joshua said, as he said, make them one as you and I are one. And then we are looking right at the Father as he is manifesting himself in that most holy place. And then we can comprehend those principles of what defines that pure spirit state that we have been given information about. Now, if we could know anything about pure spirit, how did Dr. Kinley know that Yahweh was attributes and even tell us which attributes? If it's impossible to know anything about pure spirit, then how is it possible that Dr. Kinley could explain that to us? Well, it is possible because Yahshua explained it to him. He said Yahshua stepped inside his body, and that was the revelation of the vision that he had. And that spirit that was in him, you understand, expressed to him and opened up his understanding that Yahweh is exists in a state of pure spirit comprised of nine divine attributes. That's how he got it. All right, now, I want to take a little time also and go back to our scripture reading because there's things in there that I'd like to also mention. So why don't we go ahead, go back over to the scripture reading, if you don't mind. And I want to, I want to start right where, let's see, that was Luke 12. We started at what uh, verse was it again? Me too. Luke 12, 22. I'm going to have you listen. Wait a minute. Okay. All right. I want I want you to pick up some because there's a lot of good things in here that I want to want to be able to get off my chest too about all of our obligations in this teaching. All right. I want you to start at. I want you to start at 15. Luke 12 and 15. And he said unto them, Take heed. And beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now, this is the problem. We live in a consumer age where everybody wants to have a little of the best of everything and a little of this and a little of that, and people just live their lives trying to gain these possessions. Read. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain my eyes are bad. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, "What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits." He had so much stuff, he, he didn't have any place to put it. Right. <laughs> you know, for a lot of us, and I'm not trying to point any fingers. I'm as guilty as everyone else. We, we never seem to be satisfied with what has been given to us. we got to have something new or something more. And we have to learn how to just be content in whatever state Yahshua puts us in. Keep reading. And he said, this will I do. 
I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and Wait my a minute. Goods. Wait a minute. All right, he said it. This will I do right. I will pull down my barns. He's going to build a bigger barn so he can put all of his fruits in there. Yeah. Read. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And listen, that's what the world wants to do. They want to get, gain as much as they can so they can live a life of comfort and luxury and they want to have a life of eat, drink, and be merry. That's what they, and he said, he said it to his soul. Oh, look at what I've done. See, oh, my soul is so happy here, so much at rest. See, now watch what happens. Read. But Elohim said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Look, your life could be taken, you, you could be snuffed out in the blink of an eye. I'm not talking about just obviously the consummation where we're all going to go out of here, but I'm talking about how our own lives, we can be here one minute and gone the next. And don't think that's a far-fetched a far -fetched, uh, idea. It, look, you want to be ever mindful that if, at the close of your life, whether it be the end of the world or the consummation or your physical life, it's not what you've done, it's what you're found to be doing. You want to be in a good standing in your conscience with your Creator. You need to be in class and, and learn the things from all the ministers. Uh, try to learn as much as you can and gather all that you can because you're going to need it. Because this is not going to get easier. We thought that, okay, COVID is all over with now. We're all People are vaccinated. We're going to go back to normal and look what we got going on right now. COVID is not so fast. You know, and that goes for also, we think, oh, we got the devil under control now. Not so fast, ladies and gentlemen. Most of us did not fall for some of the doctrines that were being presented uh, in earlier times that digress from what the founder taught. And we can't rest and think the devil is not still going to make an attempt to make war with you and overcome you. We just read that. We got to be ever vigilant for the devil is like a roaming lion going back and forth looking to whom he may devour. He's looking for weaknesses. He's looking for exploiting your, your, your uh, emotions, your temper, your uh, lack of patience, all those things to cause us to deny the things we've been taught here and to war with the brethren and to destroy this unity of the spirit from the inside. That's what he's looking to do. He's not going to get you with changing the doctrine, so to speak. It ain't going to happen. Read. 21st verse. So, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward Yahweh. Read. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body for what ye shall put on. Read. The life is more than meat. And the body is more than raiment. And that's what we have to understand. Our soul is the most precious thing that we possess. We should be looking to nourish the inner man with the fruits of the Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, with by the preaching of the gospel. 
and store those things up inside of ourselves because trust me we can these physical things uh, believe me uh, this whole this whole economy could collapse you think it's not possible well let me tell you something there are people that are worried about it that the economy is going to collapse we don't know what Yash was going to do but we know it's not going to get easier things are going to actually get tougher as time goes on and Doc told us that he told us that it's, it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk he said it's going to be a fight to the finish. Read. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barn, and Elohim feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Read. And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Mm -hmm. If then Yahweh so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now there's the and problem right there, ladies and gentlemen. We have to learn how to fight against the devil trying to cause us not to have faith that Yahshua will take care of us, that he's, we've got our back and we need to put our priorities in line and stop worrying about whether we're going to have enough money, whether we're going to have enough of this thing or the other thing, but put our faith and confidence in Yahshua to provide for us and that we might continue in this gospel as ministers and worrying about the salvation of a soul. That's our job now. That's our obligation. That's our profession now is to preach the gospel, to present our body a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service, as Paul put it. And see, this is the problem. When you get the devil want to pit the things of this life against your efforts that you're putting into this gospel. He wants to make the things of this life choke out you doing the things that you should be doing to be a servant of Yahshua the Messiah. And we all have to learn how to recognize that when it's going on and learn what Paul learned, as he said in Philippians, that he learned to be content in whatever, whatever situation he found himself in. That requires us to have faith to trust Joshua with all things. Read. And seek ye not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. 31. But neither seek, but neither seek ye the kingdom of but rather, but rather. Seek ye the, rather seek ye the kingdom of Yahweh, and all these things shall be added unto you. Read. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now listen, he's going to give you the kingdom. Well, what is the kingdom? Right. Yeah. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about giving you the kingdom at the end of the world or after you die. 
He's talking about giving the kingdom to you now right here on earth. For you to be able to be in a state of peace and righteousness and joy. And truthfully, once you find that peace in this gospel, you'll recognize that all the things that we once lusted for in the flesh cannot provide that kind of stability and contentment in your soul. We need to put our priorities in line and really examine within ourselves what is the most important thing to us. Is it this gospel and the service of Yahshua or is it the things of this life? Because you can't serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. And so really, Dr. Kinley used to always tell us, he used to say, get your house in order because time is short. It's time for us to do some house cleaning. We talk about that every spring, how we got to do spring house cleaning. Well, there comes a time when we have to really look at our, our, our motives and our intents and our way we act and the way we do things and whether those things have to be cleaned up, whether they need to be straightened out so that we can be a minister, a, 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 an example to the world of Yahshua's servants. That's our job, ladies and gentlemen. That's now the work of the ministry that every one of us have to do. So keep reading here for a little bit more. 33. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where north where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. Read. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now I want you to know this. What you, what you value the most in this world is going to manifest by whether you, it takes precedent over this teaching and over your creator or whether this teaching will take precedent over the things of this world. And I want you to know that uh, every one of us, every one of us are going to be tried. Dr. Kinley said, I wouldn't give you two cents for a Holy Ghost that wasn't tried. We're all going to have to go through trials and tribulations. And at the end, the reality of it is, ladies and gentlemen, we have to, we have to be willing, as Paul said, to suffer the loss of all things for the excellency of Yahshua the Messiah. If you're not willing to suffer, you're in the wrong teaching. You're in the wrong doctrine. Because that's a part of this calling that we have is to be to suffer for the truth and that may, comes in many different forms it comes in being persecuted and hated for Yahshua's namesake by the your family or your friends or co-workers or whatever we have to suffer that we have to suffer sometimes being rejected right within our own ranks the bottom line is that we do it we do it to please the Father. And we try to do it, obviously, we try to do this to uh, be obedient and to show our appreciation to Yahshua for calling us and bringing us down here and revealing this great teaching to us. And so uh, uh, Paul talks about where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so uh, also it talks in another place where Yahshua talked about how that out of the treasures of your heart proceedeth either bad fruit, corrupt fruit, or good fruit. 
So your treasure is going to dictate what kind of fruit you bear also. Right. And, you know, Frank was talking earlier about that nature dictating how you're going to the, uh, make your choices that you make. Your Every choice that you make is predicated upon the nature that is in you. And if you don't have the nature of Yahshua the Messiah, you'll choose to serve yourself and your own lust. And if you do have the, the spirit of Yahshua, you'll sacrifice everything uh, and you'll be willing to suffer the, uh, the loss of all things for the excellency of Yahshua the Messiah. And so uh, this is what we want we want Yahshua to put in our hearts, you understand, to make this gospel our priority in over all things. And I remember one of our brethren that has passed away in a, a few years ago used to say this. He used to get on the floor and he said, now Yahshua should not be your number one priority. And we all said, what? He said, Yahshua should be your only priority. And so, when I read this tonight, it brought it all back. It brought back those things that have been said and have been admonished of down through the years. And it brought back to me the recollection of when I used to visit the founder, and he lived in a little apartment. He didn't own a car, didn't have a bank account, didn't have the finer things that you would say in life, and he wasn't upset about it. He wasn't disappointed thinking his life was a failure because he didn't amass a large bank account and live in some lavish house. He was at, he was in complete peace, complete joy, because what he learned in this in his vision of revelation elevated him to another plane of consciousness, and it was it showed by his conduct and by the way he carried himself. And all that I'm saying is, you know, when I learn when you see that. That's what you say, that becomes a measuring rod by which we can measure ourselves and look at really where we stand in this teaching. And all of us need more perfecting. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has a perfect understanding. Nobody does. You know, all of us make mistakes. Sometimes we shouldn't have done something that we said, something we did, or the way we said something. Look, we'll learn from those. But we have to have a willing heart to accept correction and chastisement and to want to be better than what we are. And that's driven by the Holy Spirit, too. Now listen, I just want to say five, here, five minutes? Five minutes, please. Yep, yes. okay, I was just about to wrap up. Thank you. All right, I want to get down here to this last couple of things here that I think are important. Let's see. Start at 36. We're going to read a couple of verses in the last five minutes. 36. Okay, one second, this page is being 36. And ye yourselves, and ye yourselves like unto men that, what, you want me to start up, Dennis? 3 to 36. 36. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Great. Blessed are the blessed are those servants whom the master when he cometh shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down 
to meet and will come forth and serve them. Read. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Now I'll just say this in closing. We right now know that we're in times that are telling us this thing is coming to a close. So we need to get serious about this and wake up and really make a, 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 what I consider to be an honest assessment of where we stand in this teaching. And all I can encourage all of you to do is to dedicate yourself 100% to the preaching of the gospel and make this what your life is about. And it will pay off at the end. You will receive a reward. As Paul said, he fought the good fight and he finished the course. And there was laid up for him a crown, a crown of glory. And that's what all of us have to look forward to down here at the close of the age. I hope what I said made some sense to some people. And uh, I thank you for the opportunity. And I'll hand it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. I believe that'll conclude our class for this evening. I'd like to invite you all back to study with us. We will continue um, streaming on um, YouTube on Wednesdays, also having a Zoom class on Wednesdays from seven to nine, which will be live streamed on YouTube. And we are meeting now in uh, Salina Civic Center in Maddydale on Saturday nights from seven to nine. And that class will be uploaded to our YouTube channel uh, shortly after um, the next day, possibly. So look for that. And right now I'd like to ask the Zoom participants to please uh, stay muted until the live blog clip is ended. And our doxology is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Bow unto him who alone is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our savior, to Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory, majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and ever. Let the class say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.